0: This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors in the financial industry. Outer Blue by Amundi. Welcome to Blue Research. Knowledge sharing on financial research. Hello and thank you for joining us for this Amundi Blue Research podcast. Today we're turning our eye to the subject of inflation, which in the context of the current global economic situation is not being much talked or written about. Well, I'm joined now by Bastien Dru, senior strategist at CPRAM, and Tristan Perrier, Global Views Analyst. Thank you both very much indeed for joining me. Let me start with you, Tristan. When it comes to inflation, where were we prior to the crisis that we're in now?
1: Hello. Uh, in short, before the crisis, we were in a disinflationary world, that is, a disinflationary long-term economic regime. Inflation had been trending lower and lower for 40 years in most advanced economies, that is, since the early 1980s, and more recently in most emerging economies. The causes of this multi-decade trend are many and have been well investigated, although there are debates over their relative weights. The main cause is probably the so-called Volcker revolution of 40 years ago, that is the building of more credible monetary policy frameworks that put an end to the high inflation of the 1970s and generated long-lasting disinflationary expectations and behaviors. Another major cause is globalization, with the competition from low-wage emerging economies weighing on prices of manufactured goods. A third factor could be the combination of more services-oriented economies and generally pro-corporation economic policies that did reduce the bargaining power of workers in wage negotiations. A fourth factor is the increased preference of households for saving over consumption, that some studies relate to aging, but that was also related in the past decade to deleveraging behaviors after the past financial crisis in order to eliminate the debt excesses. Finally, many observers would also mention technology among the disinflationary factors, e-commerce giving more autonomy to buyers and making it more difficult for a seller to be the first one to raise price. However, despite all this disinflation, inflation remained positive. We were, not in, we were in a disinflationary, but not in a deflationary situation, with the exception of Japan, obviously a few years ago. But there were fears that, come the next crisis, outright deflation could become a reality.
0: So, Tristan, what is your assessment of inflation around the world during the course of these last three months?
1: Well, the last three months corresponded to the lockdowns in most uh, economies. So obviously, during that period, inflation has come uh, sharply down, to say the least. May figures for 12 months inflation are just 0.1% in both the U.S. and euro area. The main factor behind this fall is Obviously, a lagged effect of the ultra-low oil prices of March and April, with prices also declining in a number of other sectors, notably manufactured goods, but also some services. However, within this dominant downward move in inflation, it is noteworthy that the lockdowns also generated supply shocks that were inflationary for other sectors, notably food and to a lesser extent, the medical sector. So while on balance, we had that sharp downward move on inflation, it was very, very, heterogeneous across sectors it is also worth mentioning that there were more technical difficulties than usually in measuring inflation figures are not relia- as reliable as they usually are partly because the survey process was disrupted partly also because with the sudden stop in many sectors activities think some tourist services for instance there could be simply no prices to measure
0: but still, let me turn to you now What might be some of the consequences of this crisis, both in the short and the longer term?
2: So in the short run, it's very clear that there is a downward pressure on inflation for several reasons. The first one has already been mentioned by Tristan. You have the drop of prices, depressing energy prices, and also headline inflation. The second reason is the fact that the lack of demand because of the lockdown measures and because of the fall of the aggregate demand the consumers fear that they could lose their jobs and they consume less this could have also a negative impact on inflation in the short run. In the US, cost CPI already slowed from 2.1% in March to 1.2% in May. And another reason of, uh, of slowdown of inflation in Europe could be uh, the VAT cut in Germany that would depress inflation in the short run in Europe. In the long run, things could be different. We can expect Structural changes in the economies, and as Tristan said, globalization dragged inflation down for over the past decade. So now the question is, will coronavirus reverse globalization? Public opinion is now asking for the relocation, the reshoring of some industries like the pharma industry. This would definitely lead to higher inflation in the long run. There is also the question of the revaluation of wages in some sectors and also for essential workers. That would inevitably lead to higher inflation in the long run.
0: So do you think we have a period of high inflation coming or conversely, a period of deflation?
2: We will avoid deflation. Uh, We will avoid deflation uh, because of the very powerful actions of governments and central banks. The situation clearly differs from that of the Great Depression of the 1930s. So the door is, is now open for a high inflation regime. And when I say that, one has to understand that this door was closed for the, for the past decades because of globalization and also because of the downward pressure on wages in the developed countries. So if governments effectively tend to reverse globalization partly or just a bit, if there is a policy of revaluation of wages, uh, if this is implemented and we have to have in mind, for instance, that Joe Biden wants to double the minimum federal wage in the US. So if all these policies are implemented, we can enter a phase of high inflation. But this will be a matter of political will.
0: Tristan, how might social measures, especially when it comes to income, which governments may take this year or in 2021, influence inflation behaviour?
1: In a general way, social measures are conducive to more inflation, as they mean more disposable income and more demand, at least over the short term. However, the way to consider this depends largely on the cyclical position of the economy and the time horizon. The current social measures implemented now at the midst of the crisis may not be that inflationary in absolute terms, but they are in relative terms as they probably help to avoid a total collapse in household income and therefore outright deflation. The situation will be different if these social measures continue after the crisis, when the output gap is back in positive territory then and especially if households and other economic participants expect these measures to be permanent and to lead to a persistent higher pace of increase in nominal household income that could be truly inflationary and in the post crisis world there will probably be many demands to make permanent the temporary social schemes that were deployed during the crisis such as for instance the extension of unemployment benefits to the self employed and some forms of universal basic income governments may yield to some of these demands in the same way as they may yield to what Bastien already mentioned, that is the demands of higher wages by low-wage professions that were very exposed during the crisis. That could also contribute to higher inflation expectations and thus higher inflation.
0: Okay Tristan, what about production? We've seen very local production wishes from one government to another. What impact might this trend of deglobalization have on inflation?
1: Many observers indeed believe that the crisis may act as an accelerator of deglobalization. This could mean, indeed, reshoring of activities in advanced economies, starting with strategic sectors, but also broader manufacturing. Given the higher wages in advanced economies that will spill over to prices, that could be an inflationary factor. Nonetheless, we should not overestimate this factor. First of all, the decisions to reshore will, uh, of course, meet uh, reality uh, obstacles. Uh, And also uh, because this is essentially a story for the economy of goods, notably manufactured goods, and not so much for services. Inflation indices nowadays in advanced economies are dominated by services which are already mostly domestically produced. You could argue, of course, that goods are an input to the production of many services, but more expensive manufactured goods would directly impact only a lesser part of the overall inflation indices. Therefore, we would not really expect this to be such a strong inflationary driver by itself, although it could play in combination with the other factors that we did uh, mention, especially the social ones.
0: And finally, Bastien, let me turn to you. Would you please explain to our audience how they should consider their investment, given these economic assessments on inflation?
2: First of all, there has been a very sharp rebound of inflation break-even rates, mostly linked to the rebound of oil prices. As economies reopen, uh, there is a, uh, a rise of the demand of, of oil, and so this leads to a rise of inflation break-even rates. We can expect this to continue in the short run. Thinking about the long term, we believe that fixed income investors with a long term investment horizon should consider dedicating a bucket of their asset allocations to investments that can potentially help mitigate the inflation risk, notably by investing a share of their allocation to real assets. This would be key as financial repression will keep short-term interest rates very low, challenging the ability of government bonds to deliver positive real returns in case of inflation resurgence.
0: Thank you very much indeed for that, Bastien Drou, Senior Strategist at CPRAM, and also to Tristan Perrier, Global Views Analyst. And thank you to you for listening. I do hope you'll join us again soon for another Blue Research podcast. This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors as defined in Directive 2004-39-EC, dated 21st of April 2004, on markets in financial instruments called MIFID, investment services providers, and any other professional of the financial industry. Views are subject to change and should not be relied upon as investment advice on behalf of Amundi.